Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Here is the word of the Lord. On the evening of that first day of a week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed him his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, praise, and glory be to God. Right, thank you, Alfred. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We're still in the season of Easter, and Easter lasts for 50 days up until Pentecost. Pentecost is June 4th this year. And Pentecost is my absolute favorite of all the church holidays because it's about the Holy Spirit. And I love the Holy Spirit. I hear an amen over here from the Filipinos. Thank you. <laughs> so mark your calendars, June 4th. And I encourage you to wear something red, you know, fire colors, red, orange, yellow, or blue for the blue flame. So remember, Pentecost. Now, I will be in a, the States from the end of May going to my son's um, wedding. My husband Toshi and I will be attending, and I'll be coming back June 3rd. Hopefully, I won't be in quarantine because I've had all my vaccinations, but we never know. So Pastor Akiko will be preaching on Pentecost, but wear as much red as possible to encourage her and celebrate the Holy Spirit. I will hopefully be in worship that day. So the Holy Spirit is something we experience and we also feel. And we may not see the Spirit, you know, like right in front of us, like I see this light, but we know the Holy Spirit is there. We experience the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what's guiding us and hopefully guiding us here at Kobe Union Church. The Holy Spirit may have guided the disciples to the room they were hiding and they were scared. The disciples had seen what had happened to Jesus, and they didn't know if 
they'd be next. Scripture tells us they were behind locked doors and they were afraid. Can we identify with them? Can we identify with these feelings of fear and perhaps doubt? Have you ever felt anxious or frightened about anything? Sometimes we may be teetering between belief and doubt, depending on the circumstances in our lives. Sometimes we just go forward in faith and know God is with us, whatever happens. But there are times that the initial fear of the unknown remains, or times that we may have our doubts. And sometimes fear and doubt go together. The disciples had doubted the women that Jesus had actually risen. Now Peter and another disciple had seen the empty tomb and Mary Magdalene had spoken with the risen Christ and she told the disciples about this. In Luke chapter 24, you can see where it says, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now they didn't believe that Jesus had risen and they had locked their, themselves away in fear. But fear doesn't have the final say. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. However, this may not have been what the disciples were thinking as they were gathered together behind locked doors. Now, it says in scripture that the disciples were together with these doors locked because they were fearing the Jewish leaders. But that's when Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he showed them his hands, the wounds, and the side. And they were overjoyed to see the Lord. But Thomas was not with the disciples. Well, did you ever wonder why Thomas was not with the others on that first Easter night? Now, obviously, he wasn't completely cut off because soon thereafter, somebody must have told him that Jesus had appeared in their midst. And the disciples said to Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my fingers right there where the nails were, I am not going to believe. Now, just because he wants to see the wounds of Jesus, poor old Thomas gets branded as a doubter forevermore. Doubting Thomas, the disciples whose nickname would forever define him. And it's just on the basis of one remark. But do you realize there's nowhere it really says the word doubt in that scripture? And he may have had his doubts, but the word doubt is not mentioned. And actually, if you look at Thomas, he was pretty faithful to Jesus. In John chapter 11, verse 16, we read about how Thomas bravely urged the disciples, let us go that we might die with Jesus. He, these words were said after Lazarus' death when Jesus was determined to return to Judea. And another example is from John chapter 14, verses 5 to 7. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
Thomas was perhaps the only apostle who went outside the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. He's also believed to have crossed the largest area, which includes the Perithium Empire and India. Many people came to believe in Jesus through Thomas's work, and in the 1700s, when Christian missionaries arrived in India, they found a thriving small group of Christians known as the Mar Toma Church, Mar Toma after the name Thomas. And that's a church that continues to this day. When I was in Chennai, India for a pastor's conference many years ago, I visited the Mar Toma Church, and I learned from them how they, Thomas might have been in India and had preached to them and taught them so that they still have their churches, the Maratama Church, today. In addition, if we look again at today's scripture, we see that Thomas was the only disciple not hiding behind locked doors. And so I think Thomas was pretty loyal to Jesus. Let's think of him as loyal Thomas. Now, if he did have his doubts, so what? Thomas reminds us that honesty, honestly facing our doubts can open us to a greater faith. The courage Thomas showed in doubting allowed the risen Christ to reveal God's face in a new and fuller way. Thomas's story also demonstrates that Christ's resurrection frees us to forgive and be forgiven. The church is full of doubters. All of the really good theologians of the church were doubters. Martin Luther himself was a doubter, believe it or not. Doubt is not the opposite of belief. The opposite of belief is unbelief. So doubt is part of faith. My search for the unbelievable, unseen Jesus led me all the way to seminary. My doubts and my questions haven't hindered my faith. On the contrary, my doubts and my questions have fed and nourished my faith. We can always go to God to share our doubts. God will listen. Thomas perhaps speaks for a good many of us. Can we believe in things we cannot see? Some of us may live our lives as though seeing is believing. But there's many things that I see that I know I'll not understand. For example, I don't really understand how a television works, but I watch it. Another example is people talking on their cell phones you know, every single day, and I don't understand how voices really travel through time and space. So there's many areas of my life for which no amount of scientific knowledge or technological savvy or historical data could ever help me to understand or believe. When I engage in the deeper questions of the purpose and meaning of life, when I face relationships that require reconciling, or when I struggle, when I struggle with life's tragedies, I need something greater than what the current circumstances offer. When situations arise that leave me speechless or that are just too horrific for my thoughts, I need more than I can engage with my five physical senses. I need to believe and I need to trust in things that I cannot see. And this is faith. The Gospel of John is written for people like you and me. We did not, to get, we did not get to see Jesus' resurrection with our own eyes, 
but who live on a daily basis as Easter people who experience the resurrection in our own lives. I believe in the power of the risen Christ to work in the body of Christ, to bring Christ's reign of justice and grace and peace, shalom, to our lives. And yes, I still have doubts from time to time. Of course, there are days I wonder if the body of Christ, that is the church, is up to the task of ushering in God's reign or providing a vision of abundant life for all. But I chose, I choose to place my trust in God, in God that Jesus reveals. Martin Luther King said these words, Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. Belief is something you can't see requires vision, the ability to see beyond what is, and then to act as if it is so. What I can see in the church isn't perfect by any means, but my faith is not in the church. My faith is in a vision of God that is revealed in the life death, and resurrection of Christ. My faith is about practicing the love of God that is revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Doubting Thomas has become for me a character who encourages the faithful not to give up our doubts, but to embrace them because I have come to believe that doubt and faith are partners. So I embrace my doubts and live in my questions. I live with them. Thomas would speak to the doubters today, to those of us who have seen our hopes and dreams destroyed. But I have belief in the resurrected Jesus Christ, who loves us, whether we have doubts or not, whether we are wounded or not, and assures us of his everlasting love. I like how the story in our scripture today, how Thomas really wants to touch the wounds of Jesus. He wants to, to feel them. Perhaps he wants to be part of the suffering of Christ. And he also wanted to make sure that Jesus truly was, was human. He was not a ghost, but he was there with him. And he had a need to be part of the pain that Jesus experienced. He wanted to identify with the suffering of Jesus by touching the wounds of Christ. I'm reminded of the insights of one of my favorite authors, Father Henry Nouwen, and he wrote, nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. Now one asked, how can we put our woundedness in the service of others? This story comes from the questions and perhaps doubts of now one's life. And out of those stories, now one coined the phrase, wounded healers. Over the years, I've seen the power of wounded healers at work. I have seen embraces that have moved me to unlock some of the doors that my own pain has caused me to shut, releasing me from the fear of more loss. There is both captivity and a freedom in our woundedness. 
Our stories tell us who we are and who we are becoming. The wounds of Christ are all around us. As we remember Christ's wounds and Thomas, who touched them, may these wounds continue to inspire us in a desire to touch and be touched, to heal and be healed. For like Jesus, we too are called to be wounded healers. In telling this story, we hear Christ's earnest prayer expressed from the depths of the wounded Jesus. He says, Shalom, peace be with you, Shalom. Our longing for this Shalom, this peace, opens us to the pain of our own woundedness, which has the power of healing. There's a benediction by the Irish poet, peace activist and theologian, I'm not sure how to say his name, Padre O Tuama, that captures this longing. He writes these words. The task is ended, go in pieces. Our concluding faith is being rear-ended, certainly being amended, and sometimes getting mended, that we didn't know was torn. We're unraveling and are traveling to a place of new formed patterns with delusions as a fusion of loss and hope and pain and beauty. So the task is ended. Go in pieces to see and feel your world. May our stories, your stories, the stories of Jesus' followers continue to show our woundedness and help us to become wounded healers. Wounded healers are so much needed today. May the healing of our wounds release us from our fear and open us to the depths of who we are. May we be free from the places where we've been locked away in fear. May we, as the poem says, go in pieces to touch and be touched. May we go in the assurance that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real and that Jesus Christ loves us, even if we have our doubts, even if we have our wounds, even if we are broken people, the love of Jesus is constant. As the poems I just read said, let us go in pieces to see and feel your God's world. The resurrection of Jesus is a promise of new life for all creation. Ambrose of Milan in the fourth century preached, in Christ's resurrection, the earth itself arose. So may we remember those words and remember that the faith of Thomas lives in us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. We want to see you and we want to see in you the signs of the resurrection everywhere, in people, and in God's creation. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. <laughs>